Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm John. I'm one of the elders here at Gateway. So uh, my text this morning is Psalm 145, verse 4, which says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. You know, there are various ideas about what constitutes a generation. We hear about baby boomers and Generation X and millennials. Personally, I think we can overstate the differences between generations. I'm a great believer in generations working and worshiping together and valuing and learning from each other. One of the ways that that happens is by one generation commending the works of the Lord to another. Now, not many people, uh, in some passages in the Bible, just want to point this out, 40 years signifies the time it takes for a new generation to arise. And as it happens, this year is the 40th anniversary of the beginning of what became Gateway Church. It was 1981. Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. Delia Smith was teaching the nation how to cook. Charles and Diana got married. Bucks Fizz won the Eurovision Song Contest. John McEnroe told an umpire, you cannot be serious. And this church was planted. Some of us are still around. It was, if this was a normal time, we would have a big party and we'd all get together and celebrate. But instead, you get to listen to a talk from me. Now listen, there's another word, another way in the, word that in the Bible that the word generation is used. And uh, it isn't to do so much with the age of people, but how a people came into being. And Caleb has invited me just to share this morning something about our beginnings as a church community. Now some of you will know that uh, the Gateway Church wasn't always called that. We, you know, it wasn't called that in the beginning. In the beginning, it was known, in fact, by the catchy title, York Christian Revival Trust. The reason for that is that we didn't actually start out as a church. What started was a, a group of like-minded people gathering together each week to pray. The prime mover in that was a guy called Ross Patterson, who had previously served as a missionary in Taiwan, which is where he and his wife, Christine, live now, still very much involved in mission work. Those who gathered together were mainly uh, in their late 20s and 30s, plus a few old people in their 40s. That's, you know, the thing is, that's how it is with nearly every new initiative in the history of the church. So if you want to do something radical, you better get on with it. In particular, they were drawn together to pray for a move of God in this nation, leading to a harvest of people coming into God's kingdom, what is sometimes referred to as revival, thus the name York Christian Revival Trust. However, they say if a thing quacks like a duck and swims like a duck, then you better just call it what it is. And sooner or later, very soon, it became clear that, 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 that what had started was in all but name a church. And so it was christened Acom Christian Fellowship. This was the 80s. Nearly every church that started in the 80s was called something or another fellowship. And that was how we were known until the year of our Lord 2000, when we became 
Gateway Church. But this morning, I'm not so much interested in our history as in our genesis, our beginnings, how we began. And for me, there are three things that stand out. Firstly, a conviction that the church exists not just for our sake, but the sake, but for the sake of the world that God loves and is redeeming through Jesus. Secondly, a desire to align our lives with God's word as revealed primarily through the Bible. We also believe then, as we do now, that God speaks to us through prophecy, but that never takes precedence over the Bible. And then thirdly, an understanding that God acts in the world in response to prayer. We might say that these things were, were in our DNA from the beginning. And the one that I would like to say just a little bit more about this morning is prayer. Now, prayer, of course, is, is, is something that should be, is or should be at the heart of every church. It's essential to our relationship with God, and, and, and prayer can take many different forms. But the kind of prayer that attended the birth of this, ch this church had a particular focus. It recognized that events in the world at both a local and a national and even an international level are affected by a battle that has taken place in the unseen realm. And prayer is a vital part of how we engage in that battle in order to see God's kingdom advanced. There was a fair bit of teaching about this. We read classic books by authors like Arthur Wallace, Pray in the Spirit, God's Chosen Fast. One standout preacher was a guy called J. Edwin Orr. He grew up in Belfast where he started out as a street preacher at the age of 19. He would go out with a friend, gather a crowd, and play the ukulele while his friend sang, apparently out of tune. And then he would preach the gospel and see people come to faith in Jesus. And over time, he became an, an authority on spiritual awakenings, and he was much quoted. If, if it was today, he would be a guy who would be retweeted a lot. Here are some of, the, some of his quotes. We just have that first slide, please, Mark. He said, no great spiritual awakening has begun anywhere in the world apart from united prayer. Whenever God is ready to do something new with his people, he always sets them to praying. We don't have to convince an unwilling God to come and refresh us with his presence when sincere hearts who know they cannot do his work nor his will without him humbly pray, then God will answer. Thank you, Mark. The gist of his teaching was that God acts in response to united, persevering, and what he termed extraordinary prayer. Now, by extraordinary prayer, he meant prayer that kind of puts ourselves, it's putting ourselves out a bit, going beyond what we might be considered, what we might consider normal. So in our case, that found expression in things like the men of the church going away together four weekends a year to pray and fast, and then throughout the year taking our slots to pray with two or three others through the night, each Saturday evening to Sunday morning. I remember well getting a phone call from Pamela at about 4 a.m. one Sunday morning, 
It was Sunday the 17th of April 1983. And the reason I remember that so well is because she was ringing me to tell me that uh, she was in an advanced state of delivering her second child and that I needed to get home quickly. I think what happened was that we had moved house the previous day and that had kind of moved things along a bit quicker than we had anticipated. So these were, these were the things that we got up to. There were also individuals who had a particular call to intercession. For example, there was a group of three women, Helen, Mabel and Ulla, all now gone to glory, who spent hours in prayer each week. We called them the three musketeers. Let me just give you one example of how this worked, how we approached things. In the mid-80s, we made our first foray into property acquisition. If you travel along Front Street here in Acom, you'll see a row of cottages with a big archway in the middle leading into a sheltered housing development. Here's a picture that I took yesterday. Many of you will recognize this. <clears throat> Thanks, Mark. The way that it happened was that an architect that we knew brought it to our attention that the middle cottage in the row had come up for sale and that there was a massive plot of land locked away behind this row of cottages. And the idea was that if we bought the middle row of cottage, the middle, the middle cottage, we could then knock it down in order to gain access to all this land and voila, <clears throat> we would have a really great plot to build on. So we managed to pull together enough money to go ahead and buy it and proceeded to apply, apply for planning permission. Now, the land behind the cottages was basically an overgrown, rat-infested jungle, but someone who lived nearby <clears throat> managed to persuade the Department of the Environment that it was of immense amenity and environmental value. And so without even telling us, they slapped a listing order on it, designating it a conservation site and thereby ruling out any development, meaning that we had just spent every penny that we had on a tiny cottage in serious need of renovation. So we took legal advice, as you do, and we were told that basically there was nothing that we could do about it. So we called the church to prayer and fasting. Long story short, it ended with the Department of the Environment delisting the property. We were later informed that this was the first time in history that this had ever happened. And as a result, the term delisting became a kind of a metaphor for answered prayer, when God steps in and does what otherwise couldn't happen. In the event, we decided not to go ahead and, and build a church center there. We sold the land on to a, de a developer. But every time I walk past that archway, you know how in the Old Testament they would build sometimes a, a heap of stones in order to remind themselves of God's faithfulness. Well, every time I walk past that archway, it reminds me that, uh, you know, just how God acts in response to united and extraordinary, and in our case, fairly desperate prayer. In fact, it was the inspiration for the first logo when we became Gateway Church. Stick up the next slide there, Mark. There you go. You see it. Now listen, I, don't, I really don't want to give the impression that every prayer was answered or that we were moving on some kind of a higher spiritual plane. That was definitely not the case. And, and praise God, there have continued to be many wonderful answers to prayer right up to the present day. So the last thing I want to sound like this morning is, is like this is a call to return to some kind of former glory days. 
It really isn't. I have no desire to go back. Some of the things we did were probably a bit crazy, but here's the thing. We felt that we were on an adventure with God, and it felt new, and it felt radical, and we didn't want to miss what God was saying and doing. So please don't hear this as some old dude reminiscing about the past. This is just simply one generation commending God's work to another. And if you're in your, your 20s or 30s or 40s, uh, I'm really talking particularly to you this morning. I hate to admit it, but these days, pretty much anyone under 50 looks young to me. And just so you know, around half the adults in this church are under 50. And you guys are involved in so many key roles. You're serving as elders, trustees, deacons, recently formed operational leadership team. You're doing a great job leading the life groups and leading various ministries. As Paul says, I thank God every time I remember you. There is one place where it seems that you are underrepresented, and that is when we gather as a church to pray. At present, that's the monthly event that we call Encounter. Uh, we didn't see very many of you there pre-COVID when we met in person, and that's still the case now when we gather on Zoom. Now, there are, of course, notable, some notable exceptions to that, but it's fair to say that the average age of encounter is heavily weighted towards the over 50s and 60s and 70s. And a few weeks ago, Caleb addressed this directly, saying it would be great to have some more of our younger members taking part. Well, let's just say there wasn't exactly a stampede. Now listen, we're under grace. It's not our way to put pressure on people to do things they don't want to do. And if you didn't take on board what Caleb said, there is no point in me saying the same thing. So really, honestly, I'm not, I'm not here this morning to try to shame you into taking part in Encounter next Wednesday. It is next Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. But what I am asking is that if you're choosing not to, just let us know why. Tell us why. And by the way, I'm not assuming the worst here. I'm assuming that there will be many good reasons why you're choosing not to take part, but it would be really helpful to know what they are because they say that the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. So whatever age you are, if you would rather have a tooth extracted than take part in our prayer meeting, maybe there is something that we need to hear. Because, you know, let's just, let's just have an honest conversation. That's what healthy families do. And, and, you know, just to be clear, there is nothing sacrosanct about encounter. But I believe, I do believe that gathering as a church to pray and to seek God's face together in some context or another. Well, this is our engine room. This is, this is how we hear God. This is how we exercise the authority that is ours in Christ. This is how we see God's kingdom come. So it is great that we have loads of people stepping up and 
taken responsibility in so many areas of our life and mission as a church. It, it really is. But if we're going to press into all that God has for us in the next 40 years, I believe that needs to extend to our prayer life as well. So please think about this. And let's find a way of doing it that works now. It's going to look different to what it did 20 or 40 years ago. But I believe it will, it will at heart express the same conviction that God has spoken promises for us to take hold of. But we're in a battle and God acts in response to united, persevering, and you know who knows, maybe even some extraordinary prayer. Listen, I hope you'll put up with me being direct this morning. I'm really not having a go at anyone and I'm not for a minute saying things ain't what they used to be. This is just one generation commending the works of the Lord to another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are at work in every generation. And each generation brings us closer to that glorious day when you return to make all things new. Father, we're a people who are looking forward and not back. And Lord, I thank you for all those who are serving as leaders in this church today. Lord, we pray that they will be encouraged and strengthened, that their service will be a joy to them and not a burden. Father, we pray especially for Caleb. Thank you for his shepherd's heart. Thank you for the great job he's doing, navigating a way for us through these challenging times. Lord, would you fill him with your spirit and continue to give him vision and faith for the future that you are leading us towards. And Lord Jesus, I believe that this morning there are children among us that 20 or 30 years from now will be leaders in your church. Already you know who they are. Help us to commend your works to them in such a way that they love you and want to build their lives upon you. And Lord, I pray that you will pour out afresh on all of us the spirit of intercession. Lord, we can't manufacture this, but we humbly ask you to refresh us with your presence and set us praying with sincere hearts. Lord, raise up intercessors that we might see your kingdom come and a harvest of men and women and children in the months and years ahead. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. I'm handing back over now to Dan and Bethany.